Welcome to This Conscious Life with Emina and Paul Rushton. In this modern world, where we're relentlessly plugged in, yet increasingly disconnected, perpetually doing, yet so rarely just being, processing overwhelming amounts of information, yet still searching for the truth, it's time to come up for air. Here, within this community, we share stories, rituals and recipes for a beautifully humble but plentiful life, and we intersperse these with the pilgrimages we take to visit those who have taught us profoundly powerful things about humankind. By sharing our stories, we deepen our connections and remind ourselves of all that unites rather than divides us. From holistic wisdom to slow, sustainable lifestyles, spiritual nourishment to conscious parenting, this is your weekly Conscious Living Guide, here to inspire and illuminate, connect and nurture, just as nature intended. There's something about the summer holidays when our routines are changed and there's a sort of free form flow to things. Some days feel very busy, quite chaotic at times. And I think if one has children at home, the fact that they no longer have their set routine can feel challenging in lots of ways for them more than anyone. It's funny as we approach the end of the holidays, my girls are both extremely keen to go back to school because I think they miss they miss the rhythm of things they miss knowing where they are each day they miss the stimulation they miss their friends and we have tried very hard this summer to not pack the days full yet every day there has been a series or even if it's just a short list of things to do and they're things that we didn't necessarily plan or expect but just come about from the lives that we lead really So there's been lots of learning and feeling and listening over the last few weeks and trying to understand why life runs the way that it does, why it pans out the way that it does at times and reflecting on those things. And today what I, I woke up very purposeful and had a very clear idea in my mind of what I wanted to share today and I'm going to trust in those words and let them flow and I hope they help us and anyone listening with that journey towards the end of summer and then into the beginning of a new season come mid-September we'll be entering autumn which is a, a really powerful beautiful time I talk about the equinox being equal night the meaning of it and how we're at a point of perfect balance and you know this kind of cusp of of a new season and and a, a part of the year that is built is created to support us in our shifts and in a move inward towards a bit more introspection I hope you find it helpful and supportive and if anyone ever has any feedback you can leave it um, on iTunes, um, if some people have left some lovely reviews, which I read every single one, they mean a great deal to us doing this 
thing which feels odd at times in our little cottage in Kent, removed from the wider world at times. Uh, it's lovely to have that connection. I want to start by thinking about the expectations we put on events in our lives. So just follow through with me here, follow along with what I say and reflect on how things might feel and hopefully it will reveal some things about ourselves. So you sit to write a post for social media, perhaps Instagram, perhaps Facebook. You pour your heart into it. It means so much to you, this post. It's personal and real and true and good and it feels important. You imagine how powerfully it might resonate with those who read it. You adapt the image that goes with it. You think about what will look best to those who might land on your page, who might see this post. You labour for a while over the language that you use, the sentiment of it, whether you've used the right hashtags or things. You feel excited to post these words because you feel that it will make a ripple, it will have a bit of an impact and it will be felt by people and you feel that people will like what you're saying, that they will want to share it and that that will in turn feel good you share your post, you share your words, what you have written, and nothing happens. You refresh it. You want to check that it's worked. You start to doubt things. Two people like it. Half an hour passes. Two more people have liked it. Just a handful of people. You feel wrong-footed, uncertain, fearful, you want to delete it, you become cross with yourself for posting it in the first place. Why did you think it was important? Why did you think it would resonate with others? Clearly it didn't. You go in, you edit it, you rewrite certain parts, you resave it. Nobody comments on it, nobody shares it. You feel completely deflated and disheartened, as though social media is ultimately pointless. Why put so much of yourself into something if you receive nothing in return? Have I thought those things in the past? Yes, I have at times. I think when I first joined Instagram, which was, I don't know, I really can't remember, maybe five or six years ago, I put such an intense amount of thought into what things looked like, um, how they'd be received, the point of it all. And then I realised, you know, here's the thing, I'm a writer and when any of us, when you are writing with authenticity and purpose and when you are feeling with truth and with clarity and when you are believing in yourself with conscious intention and no expectation, you're believing in the reason why, the reason for things, the point of it all, the purpose, that is the why. That needs to be why we do what we do, why we write, why we create, why we share, why we communicate, why we paint or make or grow or garden or build, because it's aligned with our core values. 
because it's a good intention, it's our purpose and it comes from our heart, it's from a seed of goodness and it's rooted in our essence, it's not burdened with expectation. If you do something solely because you expect something in return, then that's wanting and it's needing and then it's aligned only with the ego and it is all filtered through condition, through questions where we wonder what we'll receive if we do it that way. If I write this or work in this way or present myself in this way, will people like me more? Will I receive more followers? Will I be promoted at work? You know, will I have a bigger circle of friends? This is all conditional living. And the root of condition is fear. It's rooted in what others may or may not think of you. It's rooted in judgment. It's very limiting. I was thinking last night, I was lying in bed and my daughter, I'd been out with my, my daughter for the day, my youngest, and she's an incredibly confident, chatty little child. And she shows very little fear at the moment. And I was thinking about, you know, all the phases that she's been through, phases that my eldest daughter's been through, and the amount of time we spend worrying about them, worrying actually also about what others may think about them. And my youngest, she's wild and loquacious and vibrant and confident and really bold in lots of ways and she'll strike up conversations with anyone and these are these are long detailed conversations and there's no you know there's like no easy exit sign where you think oh we've come to a natural end here and people can walk off and carry on doing what they were doing she'll carry on talking to you because she enjoys it so much and I feel I feel that I need to intervene a lot of the time to sort of get her to wrap things up a bit or naturally conclude things, say, okay, darling, all right, then sort of try and steer her towards the end. And sometimes I've said things like, you know, this lady's quite busy or, you know, this, you know, this gentleman's working and doesn't really have the time to talk. And what's interesting is that the response from that person to whom she's talking is almost always the same you know, they almost always turn to me and say, no, not at all. I've been working all day and actually I've had very few conversations. This is really welcome. And often they'll smile at my daughter and thank her for making their day and, you know, they'll make, she'll make them laugh. And there's a natural, open, unconditional curiosity to her exchanges. And I've seen that, you know, this pattern repeated over and over I try to sort of shorten or naturally conclude or I suppose I'm stymieing her really in her natural chattiness only to realise that my worries and my conditional instincts, you know, those socially conditioned instincts are actually unfounded. I impress upon her natural, free, beautifully naive and innocent but natural inclusiveness and her instincts for community, I impress on her a feeling of boundaries and borders and having to rein things in or, you know, or keep herself within a sort of finite, accepted social framework. And that comes from me, that's from my fear. 
that's from my fear. It has nothing to do with her. She doesn't feel that way. Yet I'm stymieing her and I'm preventing her in ways. And I've realised this really recently and I got cross with myself for it. Because we know one day I know that someone will be far too busy to talk to her or someone might be fond of talking to young children or someone will find her chattiness tiresome or you know perhaps they'll find it rude in some way I don't I don't know but I know that there will be something another experience out there and she'll learn something new about the world and it's people from that experience and my fear makes me want to shield her from those negative responses that may or may not happen from this hypothetical thing that hasn't happened yet but may happen it's no way to live really is it and for the two or so years that she's been confident enough to to just naturally instigate conversation with you know probably hundreds of strangers at this point she has learned that people are open receptive kind she's learnt that from talking to so many people and having had no negative experiences really that i can recount Sometimes people don't quite hear her and they'll walk off or perhaps they feign (laughs) and they do hear her but choose not to engage and walk off and she's fine with that. She normally just looks at me and goes, oh, they didn't hear and that's fine and that's important but perhaps, you know, I, I started to wonder, she must intuitively know who she may or may not speak to and that's something I hadn't really considered. You know, I thought I needed to be there to steer her and guide her But no, I'm sure she can feel when people will welcome her openness with their own openness. And she doesn't allow fear or her expectations of what may or may not happen, what may go wrong, or what any outcome may ultimately be. She doesn't allow any of that fear to cloud her own judgment and her own essence She's someone who just loves meeting people, she loves learning, she loves chatting and she gives her warmth and her love away just so freely, so easily because it's plentiful and it's natural to share and that has started to remind me of things I think that I started to forget. Her actions are a constant reminder for me, they've made me ask myself why do I share why do I choose to record this podcast and upload it and publish it why do I blog why do I write posts on Instagram fairly infrequently at times but why because I feel compelled to because it feels good it feels right because I too love having honest conversations with people I love talking to people from a place of love, from a place of warmth and gentleness and those conversations salve us, they salve our soul, they soothe us and they they replenish our hearts, they make us feel good about life again. Perhaps we have too few of these at times and I've started to wonder, you know, perhaps when we look at the world around us, whether the presiding energy and the way we talk about the world around us, maybe there's been a shift, maybe we've allowed ourselves to let fear preside and let it predominate. You know, fear has certainly been given more precedence recently, 
there's fear about a society we live in which begins to feel a bit more dysfunctional and a bit more dystopian, you know, with our unthinkably rich leaders, you know, the leaders of a not-so-free world where the greatest wealth and the greatest resources, the abundance that we had, that we were born with, that this earth provides, those things that were meant to be freely available to all of us until the end of time, have instead been abused and wasted and burned to the ground or greedily gouged gouged out of the earth and gorged upon. And it's not a pretty picture, it's a really, really fearful one. And it's a picture that leads a lot of us to distrust other people. So when we fear for the future, when we allow ourselves to feel lost, it can awaken something very primal in us. We want to protect our families, we want to protect ourselves. And it's that survival of the fittest mentality where we allow a sense of fear to make us do things we wouldn't otherwise do, to make us distrust other people who we would otherwise welcome with open arms. We would realise there is more than enough for all of us if only we could share it properly, if only we could all align and actually come together for the same reason. You know, we allow ourselves to really get lost in whirlwinds of fear. We know, what do I do next? How can I help? How can I, just one small person, do anything that might make any real difference? We'll turn it on its head. How can I, just one small person, do anything that might make any real difference? Asked one million people. And so it is. The only way that anything ever changes, with us, with the people, with a sea of change, with a sense of awakening, with a feeling, you know, we cannot carry on as we have been, that we've collectively been called out on our convenience habits and that we need to take more responsibility for how we live our lives, that we must, all of us, consume far less. And the headlines are truly frightening at times. We know we mourn our oceans and our coral reefs, our rainforests and our meadows, but we're talking about them more than ever. We're watching programmes about them, we're sharing videos, we're signing petitions, we're we're communing and we're campaigning. Things are being done, people care, we care, millions of people care. We can wake up feeling a sense of loss, you know, we're being told over and over again of the amount of destruction being done, and it might make us feel as though we should just simply give up. Is there any real point? You know, it feels sometimes as though the writing's already on the wall and it's inevitable, yet here we are, we're living and we're breathing in this very moment. I'm looking out of my window And all I can see is green, trees growing all around me, my garden really, really wild now, so much growing in it, vegetables, fruit, my next door neighbour's apple tree, heavy under the weight of the fruit, a plum tree, evergreens, life goes on, we're living, things live around us and we have choices and choices give us power. It does not 
ultimately matter what really happens with this current political situation we find ourselves in, in the UK, in America, across Europe and beyond. You know, these political games have been played out in various guises since the beginning of politics, century after century. People survive, we survive. We still wake up, we still go about our day and we still get to live our lives. So how do we want to do that? Do we want to live from a place of fear where we distrust people more and more and become less receptive to the good people doing good things? Or do we choose to live from a place of love where we consciously support good people with our money, with our time, with our energy, with our voices, where we consciously seek out good enterprises and experiences and people and companies and we make informed choices that do not harm others. There really is no better time to consider deeply why we live the lives we live and the way that we are living them. We are coming towards the end of summer September is upon us, we are here, and mid-September spells the beginning of a new season. In Ayurveda, in many, many cultures, in many belief systems, autumn is a time for deepest introspection. In Ayurveda, we talk about the elements of ether and air rising and the vata dosha rising around us and within us, and this can mean that we spend more time in our heads and less time rooted in our bodies. The autumn equinox, which falls between the 19th and the 22nd of September each year, is for many of us a time of real reflection. I feel it deeply. I feel it deeply in September too, perhaps because my children have returned to school after six weeks of time at home, you know, with few plans and few routines. As the end of September draws close and we're back in the flow of home and school life, there's a readiness forming. I think because September, for parents most of all, and children of school age, and it provides us with more time to just sit peacefully, more is possible, I think, than when children are at home and they're perhaps going to bed that bit later. In September, I find that there's a little bit more time to just pause in the middle of the day, drink a cup of tea blissfully slowly, to journal or to practice yoga or to meditate. And these, you know, feel like the anchors in the storm. The trees around us in autumn, you know, sensing that there's been a change in light and a shift a shift in the cosmos. You know, they, they too shift their own energies from making lots of green chlorophyll into putting energy stores into their roots ready for the long winter and to going into a form of hibernation. So our world goes from being evergreen to being burnished and bronzed and golden, yellow and red. We see that all around us and we feel it. And the word equinox, which I touched on in the introduction, equi meaning equal, nox meaning night, when day and night are equally balanced and it's a moment in time of perfect equilibrium. How rare that is in modern life. How beautiful. It feels really full of promise. It may be that we don't really pause at any time of year. We don't really pay attention to the seasons and the harvests and the shifts and the solstice and equinox and, you know, any parts of that calendar. But I think the autumn equinox is 
is a really powerful one and if it's something we've not really made time for I'd really encourage us all to try and do that this year. I tend to think about what we've been growing, what the year has been about, what's led up to this point. There's a bit of retrospective introspection and in these final few weeks of summer that we're now living through as we busy ourselves with life and its many many experiences what is it that we might hope to harvest come autumn's harvest moon and the equinox pour your heart into that question into the idea of harvest and pour your heart into it without one iota of your precious energy wasted on expectation. Instead, just allow yourself gently and consciously and without any condition to just think back to the seeds you've planted, to allow yourself to feel where you are now, how far you've come. Don't waste your time on regrets. Don't let fear stymie your heart. And don't let fear of the future stop you enjoying the present. Come, my friends. Tis not too late to seek a newer world. Push off, and sitting well in order, smite the sounding furrows. For my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset, and the baths of all the western stars, until I die. It may be that the gulfs will wash us down, It may be we shall touch the happy isles and see the great Achilles whom we knew. Though much is taken, much abides. And though we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven, that which we are, we are. One equal temper of heroic hearts, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will, to strive, to seek, to find, and not to yield. That poem from Alfred Lord Tennyson rose up in my mind last night, and it felt really, as though it really summed up the essence of this podcast, really. So there, with a sense of beginning, and a feeling of reflection, and a little Lord Tennyson, let us come to the end of summer as gently and peacefully as we can, with as little fear as possible, Trusting in the moment, trusting in our own lives, trusting in our choices and with our lives ever more rooted in intention and far less reliant on expectation. To listen to more episodes, subscribe at iTunes and to learn more about living a more conscious life, visit us at thisconsciouslife.co. Thank you for listening.